We serve a God that is deeply moved. He's not aloof. He's not dismissive. He's not unavailable. He is accessible. The word of God tells us that wherever you are on the continuum in terms of your emotions, God is able to handle it and not just handle it, but draw close. Psalm 34, 18 says he is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those that are crushed in spirit, right? So if you're crushed by anything, but certainly by a father, the word of God said that he swoops down and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. That's good news. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Live Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the Word of God and walk in integrity in new ways every day. I am so grateful that you're here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I am so incredibly grateful that you are here for yet another conversation at the Best Kept Secret. Oh my goodness y'all, we are in for a treat today. But if it is your first time here with us, sis, where have you been? Because we have been waiting on you. <laughs> I am so honored that you are here. However, I definitely do not want to overlook each and every one of you who have been riding with me for a while now. Thank you. Thank you for committing to this journey with me. You know, one of the things that I work to do is to really help us to enjoy a conversation that builds one on top of the other as we pull at threads that former guests have shared. And if you haven't yet recognized that, then I clearly need to do a better job. But I get so excited about each and every one of these conversations because we have hit on some of the themes that we're going to be talking about today, this season before. When I talked with my guest co-host Tanya at the beginning of the season, we talked about some of those inconsistencies that we experience that inhibit us from walking in integrity. And we did talk about how the fact remains that regardless of how much integrity we have, we still need Jesus. But the truth is one of the reasons we're studying integrity is because it leads others to recognize God's influence on us more clearly than before. And it was from there that we went into a conversation with Felicia Masonheimer about really knowing what we believe and finding the opportunities to communicate it confidently because others also want to know why it is that we believe what we believe. We talked about a variety of cultural influences that are infecting the church in our day and age and how to rise above those. And I was really excited when she began to talk about the attributes of God, because that is something that we are going to be talking about today. The one thing that we want to make sure we do is invite the word of God to establish God's attributes in our hearts above the world. 
And so from there, we moved into a conversation with Nana Dulce as we asked the Lord to give us a new sense of awe and wonder every time we open up the Word of God. We know that it is the living word. And my goodness, when I talk with sis, I just get so excited and I want to read my Bible with new insight. I want to ask the Lord for new revelation because she brought out some things that I had never seen before. But from there, we talked about the power of community and fellowshipping with other Christians because the book that Nana wrote came forth from a study that she conducted with the young women from her church. So when we talk to Simi, we recognize that not only do we encounter new revelation of who God is through the scripture in fellowship with others, but we encounter new revelation of who God is through prayer as well. If you've not listened to that episode, please go back and do so because at the very end, Simi became really transparent with us and invited us into some of the rejection that she's experienced as a leader. And it's that rejection that we're going to be pulling at today in our conversation with Kia. You know, there are a variety of things that attempt to cause us to doubt God's goodness, his faithfulness, and the attributes that we learn about in the word and in church. But what I am encouraged most about when I study the attributes of God is that those through whom the revelation came found that revelation in the middle of some of the greatest pressures, tests, and trials of their lives. And as we talk about the opportunity we have to move past the doubt that we have and the rejection we experience, I am encouraged today because I know that we are not alone. You know, I have been sharing a little bit about the names of God on Instagram and I really hadn't planned to, but When I shared one of the reels about Hannah a week ago, I was really surprised by some of the people that DM'd me and others who dropped into the comments and who said, I've never even heard of this name of God. Wow, thank you. I didn't even know this existed. And I don't know about you, but I come from a church background in my youth that I was never taught that God had multiple names. And I wasn't ever taught to get into the Bible and to learn about, you know, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek in which it was originally written in until I was an adult. I mean, it was absolutely foreign to me as an adult. And you might find the exact same thing. However, that's why we have these spaces. So we can encourage one another to go a little deeper because even though it might feel a little weird to talk about the names of God at first, We use different names for God when we're talking to and about him all the time in our everyday English. Whether we're calling him Father, Jesus, Savior, Holy Spirit, or Lord, we use a variety of different names that hit on different attributes of God today. And the same is true of the ancient Israelites. Jehovah Jireh is one of my 
favorite names for God. And it is very popular in African-American churches that are charismatic, as well as some of the songs that we sing. And it means the Lord, our provider. However, it wasn't until a few months ago that I recognized that we received this revelation about the Lord, our provider through Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, when he went through one of the greatest tests he would ever have. When he was on the mountain with his son, preparing to follow through on God's request, he looked up and he saw a ram in the bush and it was there that he recognized that God is the God who sees and the God who provides. And he named that place Jehovah Jireh. Mm. I love to learn about the names of God because it reveals more about his faithfulness than we might ever have recognized before. But I can't just stop there, y'all. I got to tell y'all about one of my other favorite names. Now, we're not even hitting the tip of the iceberg because there are over 85 different names for God in the scriptures. But one of the others that I really felt compelled to share with you today is Jehovah Shalom. And Shalom is typically called peace in English, but it really is so much more comprehensive. And I love it because it kind of hints at the integrity that we have been studying. Shalom means harmony, health, soundness, wholeness, satisfaction, and well-being. It shows us that when God is with us, when Jehovah Shalom is present, we are whole and complete, lacking nothing, completely satisfied in every way. And interestingly enough, it was Gideon in Judges chapter 6 who was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press that discovered who Jehovah Shalom is. It's there that the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany or an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, who comes to him. And we know that this is Jesus because he accepts worship. Whenever it was an angel that showed up, he would ask the person to stand up and tell them not to worship him. But this angel of the Lord accepts worship. He accepts the sacrifice that Gideon prepares. And then when Gideon realizes that he's met with God, he fears for his life. In verse 23, we read, But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abiez rites. Mm, Y'all, Gideon was at his most fearful when the Lord appeared to him there at the bottom of that wine press. He was fearful of what the Midianites were going to do to him. He was fearful of what they would do to the harvest that he was threshing. He was fearful. And yet, the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. It was there 
well before he went to accomplish anything that the Lord asked him to do, that he recognized that the Lord is peace, that the Lord is wholeness, that the Lord is complete satisfaction, that the Lord is shalom. And I pray the same for you. Regardless of the rejection, the disappointment, or the hurt that you may have been experiencing lately, I pray that you receive a new revelation of who God is in your life in this season that you didn't have before. Mm. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Tanya and I are here with another woman you should know. Liv, who is the woman we should know this week? Let us know, girl. Let us know. Girl, I am so excited about the work that the Lord is doing through my friend Julian Alexis with Campaign P31. Over the past couple of years, I've just been able to witness how he has grown the content that she's providing for others so that she can help them to just enjoy the opportunity that we have to walk in forgiveness through the spaces of healing that she facilitates. And I could not be more grateful for the work that she is doing in our world. She is a powerhouse. Oh man, I I so agree. I had a look at her, at her page and at the ministry work that she's doing. Man, God's people need healing. God's people need wholeness. And I just love that she's so bold and on the move with the work that God has placed in her heart. Listen, ladies, check out Julian Alexis and the Campaign P31 Ministry. She is a woman you should know. I love Julian Alexis so much, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity that she gave us to share a little bit about her. I want to invite you to head over to the show notes and to find out even more. She has a forgiveness course that she is currently enrolling for that will bless your life. But she's not the only person that I'm incredibly grateful for. You know, Kia Stevens is someone who has challenged, encouraged, and invited me to level up in every way. And my goodness, this woman of God has an anointing on her life for leadership. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for her influence on my life and how excited I am to introduce you to her today. Kia Stevens is a wife of 19 years and a mom of two who is literally in the trenches of motherhood. Most days are spent driving her teen and tween around like an overworked, underpaid taxi driver. However, a few years ago, she acted on her desire to become a writer and she created the Father Swap blog to help women exchange their father wounds for the love of God the Father. Five years later, she is the contributor for I Believe and Proverbs 31 Ministries. She's the host for Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and her writing has been featured on Ann Voskamp's blog, Christianity Today, Crosswalk, Version, Beloved Women, and Encourage. Will you please help me welcome Kia Stevens to the best tech secret? All right, y'all. I- I am so excited. 
excited to introduce you to someone that I actually get to pray with on a regular basis. Oh my goodness, this woman, her ministry has just blessed my life, y'all. You need to know her. Kia, how are you today? Good, Liv. It's so great to be with you and your audience. Hey, guys. Hey. Girl, we're so glad you're here. We are so glad you are here. You have a brand new book that's about to come out. And we want to know, what is a father wound? And when did you recognize that you had one? Sure. Well, you know, it's so funny that when I set out to start looking over all the questions that my publicist put together, I was like, I don't think I even put a dictionary definition of a father wound in the book. So I literally looked it up, but it actually is a synonym for father absenteeism. And then you can know father absenteeism absenteeism, excuse me, in a myriad of ways, you know, whether you know it by way of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, or a physically present but emotionally absent father. Those are ways that women and men can experience a father wound. But even if you unpack that a little bit more, you really have to examine when did the wound occur? You know, what type of wound is it? If we're looking in the natural sense, a wound could be a surface wound or it could be something deeper. It could be a flesh wound and you could need stitches. So you really have to examine the degree of the wound and when the wound occurred and have you been able to heal? But that is just some of what I started to unpack when I thought about this, this term father wounds. And I would say for me, in terms of really, really identifying a father wound in my life, when I was in high school, I knew something was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in our knower, we're like, something is wrong. We may not have the terminology. We may not have the words to define it and describe it. But I went to school with this book idea. It was called The Void because I had identified a void on the inside of me, a, a neediness that I was like, you know, why am I always coupled up? Why am I dating so-and-so? What is that about? And so I started writing this book called The Void. Didn't really know what it was about, but I was describing it. I was writing it. And I was working on this book off and on throughout college and then on into adulthood. And I would say it would be after I got married when I really started to pinpoint, wait a minute, I think I have a father wound. I remember there was a counselor that mentioned it to me that said, you know, have you written a, a a letter to your father? And I was like, you know, why why should I need to do that? He wasn't in my life. That was a poignant moment for me. Another poignant moment was when Oprah had her daddyless daughter life class that came out. Oh. And I was just watching it incessantly, literally transcribing it by myself, you know, not, not going to some service and having it done. I was watching it, rewinding it, taking copious notes, trying to figure it out. And then going back, let me go back a little bit to college. There was a time there also where I remember being in the dorm room of a friend and she had a bookshelf in her room. And I remember asking her, you know, where did this bookshelf come from? And she said, I built this with my dad. And it was like those words hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I knew in that moment when she said that it was more than just the bookshelf. It was the fact that she had a relationship with her father that enabled her to build that that bookshelf with him. 
And so it was all I could do to get out of her room without crying. I didn't want her to know that there was something different. I wasn't the same. I didn't have the same experience. So that was another pivotal moment for me where I'm really starting to identify this achiness, this longing, this void with the absence of my biological father. Mm, Wow. Well, I am incredibly grateful that you have chosen to lean into this subject and that you have helped to define it because it really does encompass, you know, so many different people. I know you mentioned that, you know, some have fathers that may have been present but were absent-minded, absent, you know, in relationship. And so I know that there are a variety of women that will be touched by the message that you have. You know, you shared that there were so many different points, whether it was during college and the encounter that you had with a young woman in your dorm or even on after marriage and you encountered the counselor that invited you to write a letter to your father. How did you begin to really grow honest about what you were dealing with? What did that look like? Did it all come out, you know, once you wrote the letter, you were just, you know, kind of pouring everything out into the page? Or did it come out gradually even beyond that point? I'm over here laughing because it it was just a complete hot mess. Mm. You know, it was not linear. It was sporadic. It was spider webby. You know, um, there's a lot that you don't know. One in your 20s. <laughs> there's someone. <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> and then number, but you don't know that you don't know. And then number two, there's a lot you don't know when you extend the invitation to a man that is biologically related to you, but you really don't know. You don't know their likes, their dislikes, their bad habits, their quirks. You don't know if they are addicted to a substance, if they have another family, if they have another daughter that they raised. You don't know if they're even interested in getting to know you. You don't know if their lifestyle choices line up with the choices that you have made for yourself. And so I'm saying all of that to say when I just kind of cold turkey reached out to my father, I really didn't know what I was doing. I thought that if I just list out chronologically all of the events that he missed in my life from kindergarten to 18 that I could remember, then all we would have to do is add water and stir, mm. right? That, that we're just making Kool-Aid here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be easy. And then I'm going to get the father-daughter relationship that I have longed for and desired, but it doesn't really work like that. So, you know, initially building that relationship with my dad, it was really tough. Uh, I say in my book, we were like strangers meeting over and over again because there was such a um, a, a degree of, of difference between us. He's male, I'm female. There's an age difference. My father is also from another country. And then, of course, all of this time that has passed where I've grown and evolved and changed and morphed into another human being. And then the same for my father. Um, then, then when we were together, when we were in the same household. So that's, you know, in some regards, like blending oil and water. Uh, so uh, there was that season, there were seasons of reconciling the reality that when you reach out to someone that you don't know, you cannot make them who you want them to be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much you pray. 
It doesn't matter how much you fast. It doesn't matter how much you beg and plead with God to turn them into the person you've always dreamed and hoped and believed that they would be. You cannot change people. God changes people, right? If he so chooses. And then also if the person is willing to be changed by God. So there's some there's some cooperation that needs to take place as well. And so there was, that bred a little bit of frustration in me. That bred some frustration. I, I shouldn't even say a little bit because that's dishonest. It bred a lot of frustration. There was a lot of things I had to work through. I had to wrestle with. Um, there were things I had to grieve. You know, sometimes we have to grieve our expectations. We have to grieve accepting reality when reality is not what you hoped and longed for it to be. You got to grieve that. And grief takes a whole bunch of forms. Sometimes it's sorrow, it's sloppy, snotting, tears, all of this going on. But then sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's rage. Sometimes it's shaking your fist at the God who made you. Because he's sovereign and he's omnipotent and omniscient and all-knowing, then he could have given me the father that I longed for. He's fully capable of this, you know? So there, there was so many levels, years and years and years and years and years. I want to be clear when I say that, because I don't want anyone anywhere to think that I arrived at the place that I am. And let me say it is not a, um, a pinnacle period. I've overcome, I'm overcome me present progressive but I arrived at this present progressive place of overcoming um by many many um tears trials failures uh mistakes lots of of emotions lots of just trial and error trial and error I can offer you some suggestions and some tips. I'm going to share some vulnerable stories that's really going to help to motivate you and help you to kind of unearth some things in your life. But I want you to know that this is still an ongoing thing for me. I still might weep. I still might cry. There are still moments where I have to accept reality. You know, everything is, there is not a big red bow on my life. <laughs> it, it is not covered in icing and, and, and confetti. You know, I want, I want to acknowledge that. And I think it's like that just period. Life is like that period, right? Until we see our Absolutely. savior face to face, that there is a, a place in us that's dissatisfied or not fully at peace mm-hmm. until we see our savior yeah. and he makes all things well. Yes, yes, yes. We are holding on for that day. I know this past December, I was really, really just shaken by a couple of disappointments that just continued to come just time after time. And I began to say, you know, like, God, you could have, you could have changed that. You could have done something different. You could have moved in that differently. And I know that you mentioned that as well. Like he could have given me a father. I want to ask you, how was your relationship impacted with the Lord throughout this time that you were walking through your healing? We do, you know, know our God as father. So was that relationship in any way impacted by your earthly relationship with your father? Sis, it is time for you to start communicating confidently about God's truth, and I am here to help you do that. 
Whether you want to begin launching your own podcast or you want to recognize your areas of strength and the opportunities of growth you have, you can find a variety of resources in the show notes below as well as at liveduly.com. It's there that you can access the seven podcasting essentials that I cannot do without, as well as the confidence quiz that I've prepared just for you. Now, go be great. Girl, yes and amen. Yes, of course. It was greatly, greatly impacted. And I grew up in the church. I'm not a preacher's kid, but I'm a a granddaughter of a preacher, of the pastor of the church. And so I was in church Monday through, through Sunday, sometimes multiple times on Sunday. And so I never really questioned what I heard in the church in terms of Bible stories, Noah and Jesus being born of a Virgin Mary, all, all the stories, Ruth, Esther, whoever, all of them. I, I believed in Moses and in, in, in the Nile River. I believed all of that. But when it came time to really dealing with some of the intimate issues of my soul that I was wrestling with, God, are you capable of fill, filling this father-shaped vacuum in my soul? I'm not so sure. I'm doubting you. I, I feel distrustful of you. I'm not sure you're going to show up. And there's a quote that I share that I discovered in the Washington Times that says, it's common, sociologists believe that it's common for people to perceive that God is like the father or fatherly figures that they had in their lives. And, and that was so true. I saw it in my own life. You know, my father was absent. So there were some things that I felt like God was absent about. Oh, God, you'll show up for that, but you're not going to show up for this, this most pertinent thing in my life. You're not going to show up for that. You'll show up for her and you'll show up for this sickness and you might show up for that financial need. But as it relates to this issue in my heart that I can't see, I can barely describe, I can hardly put my finger on it. I don't think you're able to address that need on the inside of me. So there was a lot of wrestling about who God is and who he was able to be in my life. Are you really able to be a heavenly father? You know, if you grow up in the church, you have heard on more than one occasion, God is a father to the fatherless. That sounds fabulous. But what exactly does that look like in the practical sense? Okay, because we're dealing with somebody we cannot audibly hear. I At least I have not. And I will probably be frightened to death. <laughs> yeah. If he does say something, I'll be like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Are the doors locked? You know, <laughs> But we can't see him. We can't put our our hands on him. So this is this God. Everything has to be understood by faith. But this need that I have, God, it's right here in front of my face. These feelings are, are, they feel so real. My frustration is so real. God, can you really, can this invisible God really address the intimate needs of my soul? Is it true? Is it true? So I wrestled there with that. I also had to forgive God, um, which sounds crazy. (laughs) It sounds crazy because you're like, you know, Jesus is Lord. God is sovereign. You know, he does what he wants to do. But in my naivete, you know, it was like, no, I think if I tithe and I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday and maybe crack my Bible open during the week, then at the bare minimum, if I ask you for something, 
you should come through. You should come through, God. And the way I'm talking to you, as blasphemous as it sounds, that's exactly the type of tone I had with the Lord. Um, But one of the things that I love about God is that he is not a God that's afraid of our emotion. He is not a God that's saying, oh, whoa, 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 this is too much. Let, Let me back out and come back once you calm down. God says, if you're angry, come on. If you're bitter, come on. If, if you're frustrated, come on. If you got rage, come on. If you got sorrow, come on. I can handle it. I am big enough to handle whatever emotions you throw at, at me. If you're angry with me, come on. Come on, I got you. Come on. And I respect that about God. You know what I'm saying? I can't serve a God that can't handle my emotions because I got a lot of them, you know. But he made us. He made us. We're triune beings, mind, the soul, the body, and the spirit. God himself has emotions. I was just telling somebody this week, just looking at when Lazarus died and everybody was weeping and crying. And the scripture says, it's, it's like it opens up with light on this part of the scripture and says, Jesus was deeply moved. Yeah. We serve a God that is deeply moved. He's not aloof. He's not dismissive. He's not unavailable. He is accessible. So the, so, so the word of God tells us that if whatever you are on the, on the continuum in terms of your emotions, God is able to handle it and not just handle it, but draw close. Psalms 34, 18 says uh, he, he is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those that are crushed in spirit, right? So if you're crushed by anything, but certainly by a father wound, the word of God said that he swoops down and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. That's good news. So yes, Liv, I had every emotion on the continuum. I was a swinging pendulum, just boom, boom, boom. You know, the the ride of six flags that goes all the way around. That was me. Yeah. Honey, you better preach. All right. That was so good. And anybody, anybody that needs that can just, you know, just click rewind, click back a couple times because I'm going to be listening to that myself. My goodness. He is not aloof. Uh, He is in tune with us. I want to ask you, what would you recommend our sisters do to process any pain that they may have suppressed? for years, even decades, and that they're just kind of awakening to in this season? Sure. Uh, You know, I would start with a baby step because I'm saying a whole lot of stuff. I forget, Liv, you know, I, I have gone over this book so much and it's been 20 years in the making. So all this type of content, I've gone over it, gone over it, gone over it. So I forget when people see it for the first time, and they're undone or they're weeping and they're crying or they're, they're like, wait, I, I can't get through chapter three. And I, th- then it reminds me this content is is heavy. It's heavy. It's a lot to process. Uh, the first thing I would say is, you know, be gentle, mm-hmm. be gentle with yourself. And I'm so grateful that that's one of the attributes of God. The Holy Spirit is gentle. He is a wonderful counselor. Right. Um, the second thing I would say is just be willing to acknowledge acknowledge it's such a, a, it seems like a small step, but it's actually massive 
because it's more easy to deny and mask and cover up and fake it. I'm blessed and highly favored. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I'm doing fine. How are you, sister so-and-so? You know, we'd rather stay there because we don't want to acknowledge that we have a wound. Wounds are not cute. They are not pretty. You know, they do not look good on Instagram. So we don't really want to show that we have a wound. So I would say, number one, let's just acknowledge it. Let's just say that there is something that occurred between my father and I that hurt me. It hurt me. I don't care if you were two. I don't care if it happened one time, if you're sitting at the dinner table and he made a comment about your weight. Let's go ahead and just acknowledge it. Let's acknowledge if you never felt like you measured up, never felt like you were good enough, never felt like you were smart enough. Just go ahead and acknowledge it. Sometimes we don't want to say anything out of respect for our father, feeling that if we say it, I'm not saying say it publicly. I'm just saying get in your prayer closet by yourself, close the door, lock the doors, make sure the windows are shut down and say it. Say, God, my feelings were hurt. My feelings were hurt, right? And the word of God tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. He cares about that thing that happened to you when you were four and when you were seven and when you were six. And the fact that he never came to a volleyball game, never showed up at a soccer game. He wasn't there to see you go off to prom. He didn't interrogate your dates. He didn't do the sex talk. He didn't sit on the couch and watch football with you. God cares about that, right? Okay, so let's just acknowledge it. That's baby step number one. Then number two, invite the Holy Spirit in. Invite him in. I, I have jokingly said a couple times this week that, you know, when we're trying to find a counselor, it is hard as I'll get out, <laughs> you know, to, to say, well, I don't know. Do I go on looks? Do I go on credentials? Do I go on Christian, non-Christian? What, what do I do? But the Holy Spirit tells us the, the Holy Spirit is a wonderful counselor. We don't have to give him all the backstory and fill him in and say, well, this happened when I was seven and six and, and so on. So they act like that. We don't have to do that because he already knows. He knows our disc profile. He knows our Enneagram. He knows our quirks, our bad habits. He knows what we do in private, when we pick our nose, all that kind of stuff. So let's go ahead and invite him into the process of our healing. Let's relinquish control and say, Holy Spirit, I surrender. I surrender. I have identified that there is a hurt in me. I don't know what to do, where to start, where to go. I'm even scared to even process it. I don't know what's going to come out. Is it going to look crazy? Is it going to be rage? Is it going to be sorrow? I ain't got time. I got kids. I got soccer practice. My husband needs dinner. I got all these responsibilities. I don't have time to grieve. Will you help me? Okay. That's number two. Number three. I would recommend getting the book, even if I, I didn't write it. I will be honest. I would, I would recommend that because the book is written in such a way that at the end of every chapter, there are questions for you to go through in your journal at your own time and process some thought probing questions, um, things that we don't typically think about because we're too busy to stop and do anything introspective. We, we got things to do and people to see, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I would, I would definitely recommend that, but if you don't get my book, if you do steps one and two, you're good because God will take the wheel, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. We are definitely getting the book, right, ladies? And I just really enjoy your teaching style. I truly do. You will drop a drop a gem and, you know, touch a nerve and then you make us laugh real quick. <laughs> I am really excited to get this into one of your hands. Ladies, it is time for you to head over and leave a review Tag us on Instagram, do any of the above so that I can get a book to you. I want to ask you, Kia, what did it look like to find forgiveness for your father? Sure. I tell this story in the book, but I remember we were celebrating Father's Day with my husband. We had gone out to eat for breakfast and we're leaving the restaurant and I was sitting in the car. And just briefly thought about my dad. And it was like, hmm, there's no bitterness. There's no anger. There's no, there is no, I am, I am, okay. oh my gosh, you know, slap yourself. Is this really happening? I'm okay. I am okay with my dad. That's one example that I think it really stuck out to me because it was a surprise it kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't thinking about it, but it just happened. And I think sometimes healing is like that, where you're going through not the motions, but you're doing what you know to do. You're trying to keep your heart right. You're trying to have your daily quiet time. You're trying to ask thought probing questions or write in your journal. And then one day you look up and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm free. I am free, free. You know, there's no residue hanging on me. This, this is wonderful. So that happened. But then even later after that, you know, because forgiveness is uh, more cyclical in nature. It's not linear. It's not a destination that we arrive at, but it's a lifestyle that we have to choose to engage in. So even if you find yourself completely free in, in 2019, 2020 happens and, and, and everything falls apart. And, you know, you got some more things that you may have to forgive. And I think, you know, with this book, uh, I have had to share the content of the book with my father. And um, I tell this story as well, but I knew my dad was not going to read the book, like ever. <laughs> he wasn't going to read the book. Um, he's not really on on social media or anything like that. So I wanted to get in on a plane and fly 800 plus miles to go and see my father and took him out to eat, pulled out my laptop and literally read the contents of the book that pertained to him, to him across from the table. And in that moment, my dad offered me an apology um, for, for what had transpired. And you have to read the book to find out what he shared, but I didn't need it. I didn't need the apology. I was at peace. I wasn't looking for him to to do anything or say anything or make any type of uh, restitution. I, I there was nothing I needed from my dad, you know. And so that was another uh, a reminder or um, just a, a vivid example of what God had done in my heart. Because there was a time where I had a you owe me spirit. You owe me. Let me get. Where is my tab? Where? Run that bill right there. That one, 
$2,799, for that hurt right there, that time in, in 2008, and you didn't show up for this. You, you know, I had a tab, honey. I had a tab, you know, but there was no tab. It, it The debt had been paid. The debt had been paid by, by my savior. That's the realization I had that Jesus died, not just for me. He died for my dad too. Now who, what kind of Christian would I be if I said, oh, salvation, I got that unlocked. It only comes for me, but not for my father. Now we know God is not going to agree with that. He, he's not like, I, I co-signed that. No, he does not co-sign. And another thing that my pastor said, um, Andy Stanley, he said this and it stuck with me. He said, you will know that you have forgiven the person that you have a grievance against when the way you feel about them is the same way that God feels about them. And that's, that's how I feel right now. My desires and my heart for my father is exactly what my heavenly father desires for my father. I want him to be well. I want him to be protected. I want him to, to know God. I want him to be up in heaven with me. I want us to be right there side by side, rejoicing and praising God. That ain't nothing but the power of God. You know what I'm saying? That right there is a modern day miracle, folks. Take a picture. If, if you're wondering, yeah. is God still doing miracles? Yes, he is, because he did a work in my heart. A work, a work, W-E-R-K, in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that piece, y'all, it can come with or without the apology. It can come That's well right. before it. You That's don't right. need the apology in order to experience the peace that the Lord provides. And that, that has set some folks free today. That has set some of us free today, Kia. Thank you so much. Please tell everybody, tell everybody where we can get this book, girl. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, you can find a book anywhere books are sold. You can go to my website, www.kiastevens.com forward slash books, or you can head over to Google and type in Overcoming Father Wounds. You don't even have to put in the, the, the subtitle, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love, and it should pop up a cute little pink book, lets you know it, it's specifically for that feminine heart out there. Um, it should pop up and you can purchase your copy. It is super cute, my goodness. And you are offering an opportunity for women to pour into a really beautiful ministry through the uh, pre-orders of this book. Can you speak to that for a moment? Yes, definitely. So, you know, uh, not too long ago, I was researching about how women become victims of sex trafficking. And so a common misconception is that they're snatched. Yes, women are snatched, girls are snatched, but sometimes and, and often uh, very common, they are in, in find up find find themselves being victims of sex trafficking by way of a relationship, by predators that pose as father figures or mm -hmm. predators that pose as love interests. And so your guard is down, you're vulnerable, and you're engaging with these people. And eventually you find yourself in a life of sex trafficking that, that you never signed up for. Um, and I am of the notion that women who do not have fathers, who have father wounds by any myriad of, of some of those examples that I mentioned above, you're more, more vulnerable. 
because you have an ache in your soul. You're looking for a father figure. You're looking for um, a knight in shining armor to come in and, and rescue you. Uh, and so I wanted to provide a resource for women who have been impacted by sex trafficking. So I've been able to partner with Wellspring Living, which is a nonprofit here in the Atlanta metro area. And they provide resources and residential housing for women who uh, have been impacted by um, sex trafficking or they are vulnerable to being impacted by it. And I, I'm just so excited. You can head over uh, on that same website I gave you, books at the bottom of the page page, you can um, click and either buy a book for yourself and then donate a book or just donate a book or you can donate books in bulk. It's my heart that we'd be able to provide a book for every single woman in one of those residential homes that wants one. Um, And so you can also go to hopeforhercampaign.com and I, I would be so elated for you to join me. I'm linking all the things down below. That is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Before we wrap up, can I ask you a couple of secrets? Okay, I'm scared. (laughs) In this fast-paced society that we live in, what do you do on a regular basis to slow down? Yeah. When I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I go for a walk. I go for a walk. That is like my reset button. It's an opportunity for me to listen to all things T.D. Jakes. I love T.D. Jakes. You know, so I'll get my mind right. I also love all things 116. I, I think I posted about it on Instagram. So anything Lecrae or now I'm drawing a uh, KB, Minio, uh-huh. Andy Minio, mm-hmm. or y'all, I can't think. I can't think. But anything that is rap music that's Christian, I reset that way. I love to just get a chai tea latte or a chai tea frappuccino if it's warm. I love a good massage. I love a good book. Um, And one of the things that I have discovered about myself, I've spent so much of my life reading nonfiction books because I was trying to heal thyself and fix myself and all these things. I love a good fiction book, a mystery book. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's good. That's good. (laughs) What are you doing on a day off? Sky's the limit. What's Kia doing? I'm probably asleep. <laughs> I'm probably asleep or driving my children somewhere. I mean, I don't know if I have days off. That That's probably bad to say on a Christian podcast. I, I'm still working on a Sabbath. So y'all pray my strength <laughs> in the Lord. Don't don't email me. You're supposed to have a Sabbath. That's what the Lord said. I know what he says, <laughs> but I, I'm still working on it. Okay. So, you know, I got a, one child that swims, the other child does basketball. And when it's not the school season, it's AAU, you know, so it, I, I don't really have a day off. And when you're kind of entrepreneurial like that, that's kind of the lines are a little bit not the boundaries. <laughs> The boundaries are not where they need to be sometimes. We appreciate the transparency, girl. You once again, you just help set somebody free. They like it. God still loves me and he yes, still loves he me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And then lastly, what is bringing a smile to your face these days? Hmm. Oh my goodness. I had to pause on that. This, I mean, this has been such a season. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Such a season. 
I think definitely successes for my kids um, when they when they succeed, when they try. That's bringing a smile to my face. I also think that, um, you know, I'm you wear a lot of hats when you launch a book. So one of the hats that I'm wearing is being inside of my launch team and my launch team. I don't know what I was thinking we were going to do. I think I thought we were going to come in here and say, oh, I really like this in chapter three. And I really like this in, in chapter four. That touched my heart. Bless the Lord. That's I think that's what I thought. But what's happening in the in the Facebook group is like a low key group therapy mm -hmm. where women are being brutally honest. Mm -hmm. And there's one woman in my launch team. She's 69. Yes. Do you hear me? Yes. She's 69, Liv. Yes. And she said, I'm getting deep healing that I've needed my whole life. I'm I'm, I'm working through. It's hard. But God is meeting me. Ugh. And I'm sitting here like, what? Oh, my gosh. Praise the Lord. This is good news that she's 69 and she's still digging in. She's not shying away. She's allowing the Lord to peel back the layers and expose areas of her heart that need deep healing. And she's she's moving forward. That brought a smile to my face and a little bit of shock and awe. Like, whoa, Holy Spirit, you're doing some extra things that I didn't even anticipate you were going to do. You know? <laughs> Girl, that's bringing a smile to all of yeah. our faces. That is good. That is good. And isn't that, that is good news that, that even at 69, if there are things that you've prayed about and, and you maybe by, by the time you get there, wondered, God, do you even hear me? Are you going to ever do anything? And God said, you know what? I'm going to raise up this little chick over here, Kia Stevens. And when she's 40 something, she's going to write a book and you're going to get some deliverance from that, that book that she writes. Totally different with different races, raised different backgrounds, different parts of the country. But God said, I'm going to bring you some some hope and some deliverance and some healing at 69 mm -hmm. from this this girl that used to be a stranger to you. Yes, yes, yes. He knows the end from the beginning. He is Facts. the Alpha and the Omega. Mm. And the Omega. I'm in love with him. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Can you pray us out? God, I just thank you, Father, for the work that Liv is doing and for the platform that she's created where we can come and talk about some of these intimate issues that address the heart. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are intimately concerned about the things that concern us, Lord. Things that maybe we've tucked away and we've hidden away and we've thought nobody gives a care about this pain right here. And nobody has the time to stop and listen to me, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, that you heal the brokenhearted and you bind up our wounds, that you have the patience. God, you have the capacity. God, you have the compassion, Lord. God, you have the, the tenderness, God, and the skill set to deal with every single wound that we have, God. If we identify a love wound or a trust wound, God, or an acceptance wound or a provision wound, God, if it's an affirmation wound, God, you have what we need to be made whole. And so I'm praying for every woman that you would give her the courage, you would give her the strength, God, you would give her the wisdom, God, to tap into you, Lord, and to give you complete and full control to give her the healing that she so desperately longs for and desires, God. We honor you, Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are also our heavenly father, our good 
perfect, gentle, kind, wondrous, um, unexplainable, matchless Heavenly Father. And we honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. <sighs> Didn't that conversation just make you want to get into your word? I know I can't wait to just find some time with God to study his word. If this conversation helped you in any way, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a review? It would truly help others to find this conversation. Now, in between time, I am at Candid Live, and it would be a pleasure to do life with you. I'll talk with you soon. Love you.